the expectation often of ministers is that I come in, I've got this 180 billion, these are my priorities, I want to move the money around. And what's a bit of a shock is recognising how much of that money is already committed to just do the day job. And the amounts of money to do new and different things sometimes is very small, if indeed there's any at all. There's one great unreformed department in government, and that's Treasury. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of our special Inside Briefing series, Becoming a Minister. In this series, former ministers and the civil servants who worked with them reveal what it is really like to hold ministerial office and how to do the job well. You will hear all about the challenges, the confusion, the decisions and drama of a job which really is like no other. My name is Tim Durrant, Programme Director for Ministers at the IFG. On this episode, we're talking about budgets, multi-billion pound budgets, because government departments deal with major commercial contracts, infrastructure projects and financial investments, and each employ thousands or tens of thousands of civil servants. For the ministers in charge, getting used to managing budgets of this scale can be bamboozling and overwhelming especially if they haven't dealt with finances in their previous careers. We'll hear from ministers about what it is like managing those budgets, how to find savings in a department, and the advice they'd give to future ministers on how to get on the right side of the Treasury. We'll also hear why ministers have less control over spending than you and they might expect. Money is a big part of being a minister. They need to sign off spending decisions, negotiate with the Treasury over budgets, and scrutinise what their department is spending money on. But how are new ministers introduced to the world of budgeting? Una O'Brien was permanent secretary at the Department of Health for six years, and part of her job was explaining to new ministers how the department spent its money. Members of Parliament have got different interests, and some have got more of a focus on finance than others, and that's completely understandable. I think the standard approach in the department was just to meet this person, this person, that person. We really tried to shift this process to having a conversation with the incoming ministers, really understanding their background. Oh, you've been on the Public Accounts Committee for five years. You've got this level on. Now what do you want from us in terms of your briefing? Or, yes, you've been a Member of Parliament for two years. You know, what type of briefing would you like? So tailoring the briefing, but making sure whichever way you go about it, that crucially the context is understood about how the money is allocated once it's voted. Andrea Ledsom, former Business and Environment Secretary, told us that ministers need to make sure they ask questions about their budget when arriving in a new department. Every minister needs to have a proper briefing about their own departmental budget, if they're a junior minister, how that fits within the department budget and how that fits within the entire government expenditure. That's a very important part. However, Andrea felt she didn't always get the support or information she needed on financial matters during her time at the Department for Energy and Climate Change, or DEC. Certainly when I went into DEC as a junior minister, in fact the only junior minister in DEC, I didn't really understand the way that the subsidies for renewables were being funded early on. So the energy bill levy, the green levy, that wasn't entirely explicit to me from day one. And so I did spend some time thinking, so what, how are we managing to spend all this money? And it doesn't seem to be a budget line anywhere. So, I mean, it was only a matter of a, a couple of weeks, but I would have thought there, something like that, which is extraordinary, I mean, it's very unusual for something to be funded by a, a bill rather than taxation. And there's no reason why I should have known that coming as a relatively new minister into the department. 
Ministers, of course, are all different, with varying amounts of financial experience and knowledge. Justine Greening served as Secretary of State for Transport, International Development and then Education under Prime Ministers David Cameron and Theresa May. She had the advantage of being a trained accountant, but not all new ministers have the same background. I think we ask a lot of people who've often just entirely coincidentally done totally different jobs and been brilliant at them in civilian life pre-MP. And then suddenly we expect them to run a multi-billion pound, multi-agency department with, with no training. And, you know, we've, we've got to give people you know, who are often talented ministers, you know, I think the support to be the best version of themselves in that job, not just for them, but most importantly, so that they can max it out on getting right decisions, good strategies and knowing how to put in place stuff that's really going to change things on the ground, which is whichever party you're in, that's what everybody does actually want to achieve. Ministers will have had all sorts of careers pre-Parliament and Justine felt many would benefit from more training in how to manage budgets. I think there's a lot of financial management, like an MBA light, that would really benefit most incoming ministers just to simply know what they should expect from civil servants and to be able to have a a framework to think about how they wanted to be able to run the department. One minister new to managing big budgets was Estelle Morris. She served as education secretary in the early 2000s, but came from a teaching background, not a financial one. I'm quite good at arithmetic, but I'm not an economist, so I I, I can add up figures quite well, but... I've not, never had a job where I've had to manage huge budget sheets. So preparing for the comprehensive spending review and stock takes with the Treasury was one of the most demanding things I had to do. Yeah, you know, I really was learning as I went along. And looking back, I enjoyed it. It stretched me that much. I'm now joined by Grant Dalton, researcher at the Institute for Government, to talk about how ministers get up to speed with their department's finances. Grant, what have we heard about the challenges ministers face when grappling with the spreadsheets? The big challenge that comes across in our Minister's Reflect archive is actually how little control you have over spending. Lots of spending will be set in stone either by a spending review or by commitments made by previous ministers. So it can be very difficult for new ministers to actually have much wiggle room and much autonomy in how budgets are spent. And that that can be quite a shock to new ministers when they arrive in the job. So who are some of the key people they should speak to at this point? With most things, the permanent secretary in the department will be the, the first point of call. Uh, we'll be able to explain the kind of state of the departmental finances. You should also have a finance director or a chief operating officer in the department who you'll be able to talk to about the, the, the financial matters in the department. And then other ministers, especially your predecessor in your job, will normally be able to give you a good sense of what you can and can't do in the department and what the big choices you'll be able to make in your time in the department are. So, you've been introduced to your departmental budget as a new minister. What's next? You might want to change things, put your own stamp on policies, or find savings in one area to spend in another. This is a common ambition for new ministers, but as Grant was just saying, they can find they have less control over their budget than they might hope. Former Permanent Secretary Una O'Brien explained more. One of the things that's quite challenging, certainly I found for ministers coming into the Department of Health, was accepting that large amounts of money sort of pass through the department in the blink of an eye and are handed out to arm's length bodies and then distributed around the country or go directly to various uh, pre-existing organisations. And shifting the movement of resources between those different channels is not something you can do overnight. This can make it hard for ministers to make the changes they're looking for. The expectation often of ministers is that I come in, I've got this 180 billion, 
these are my priorities, I want to move the money around. And what's a bit of a shock is recognising how much of that money is already committed to just do the day job and that the amounts of money to do new and different things sometimes is very small, if indeed there's any at all. And I think that's quite a hard thing to get your head around when you're sitting on top of so much money. Despite, or perhaps because of, the lack of control they may have over budgets, Una feels it's very important that ministers really understand how the money moves around their department. My encouragement to incoming ministers would be to take a deep interest in how money gets allocated within departments, what's based on a pre-agreed formula. Quite a lot of money in health is based on complex formulae that are built over a number of years. And shifting money between different parts of the country is a, is a complex and, and controversial matter. Different departments spend their money in very different ways, and this can also change how ministers approach their jobs. Justine Greening found that being in charge of international development is very different to being in charge of schools. In DFID, for example, it's a spending department. So I'm an accountant by training, a chartered accountant. And therefore, actually, in many respects, it was straightforward to run the department through controlling how the spending decisions were taken. But you can contrast that to education, where actually there's a schools budget. It just automatically goes. It's much more policy driven and therefore how you actually run the department and control and work out which decisions you're taking versus which get delegated. That's an entirely different way of doing it. And I think for me, I, I'd realised when I went to the DfE that my way of running DFID didn't come across to the DfE. I was going to have to do it really differently. And so I had to almost, I asked myself, right, how do I do this department? Justine was in government during the coalition when the government's main priority was to cut spending and the deficit. She found that taking an accountant's approach to savings helped, looking through the spending in detail and trying to find wasteful or inefficient projects. There was genuinely a lot of waste and therefore simply going through budgets with a fine-tooth comb, there was a significant amount of money and projects that were low value. Very different to today and an incoming government now wouldn't have that lever to pull in the same way probably. When doing the work of scrutinising spending, she had this advice for ministers. I used to get the district line home every night and I would literally set myself this district line test. So I would try and think if I was explaining to people in the same tube carriage with me what my choices were today, which one do I think they'd go for? And I'd literally look around the carriage and just think, hmm. And, and actually, for me, that was quite a good check step to think they know the situation Britain's in following the credit crunch, they know we've, we have to have a credible plan. Considering what the public expect from their government can help ministers make difficult decisions on spending. Some of the hardest decisions for a minister can be deciding to stop providing a programme or a public service. Una O'Brien was in the Department for Health for a few of these conversations about cuts. We are in a period of time currently of retrenchment, and I think the only way of dealing with that is you have to stop doing stuff. This is probably one of the most difficult conversations senior officials ever have with, with ministers to say, well, you want to do these things over here. And if you want us to do them, we're going to have to put resources and people behind it. And we can do it if we stop doing these five things. And that is a really difficult conversation. Her advice to ministers, be decisive and prepared to prioritise. I would love it if ministers generally could get better at 
closing things down, finishing programs and saying we're no longer going to do those things in order to free up resources to do some new things. That's the way that ministers could be most helpful. But when deciding whether to cut programmes, having an eye on their long-term effects is key, as Justine Greening found. So there's one thing, if you like, getting a deficit reduction process managed now. There's another thing in not flagging up decisions to ministers that mean their task in about two years' time is a lot harder. The risk with some cuts is that they can come back to haunt ministers. You can end up with some budget cuts in one area that you can almost directly show lead to more inefficient spend in a comparatively short period of time. To me, that's not good financial management in in the short term, let alone the long term. And I think those are some of the issues in the sense that remain unresolved. Trying to find savings can be a big part of a minister's job, as can negotiating for more money. In both situations, you're going to be dealing with the Treasury. Getting relationships with the Treasury right is vital to ministerial careers. Grant is here again to talk about ministers' experience of the Treasury. So two things we hear from ministers about working with the Treasury. One is they're very important. Another is it can be quite a frustrating process. The Treasury have a lot of power over what ministers can and can't do in their jobs. Getting funding and getting Treasury support is absolutely vital if you want to, especially if you want to do something, uh, a big project or something quite innovative and new, you really need to have support of the Treasury. So working with them well really can make a ministerial career. But working with the Treasury can sometimes be frustrating and ministers who want to spend big or want to make a big impact can find it frustrating that the Treasury can sometimes have a kind of automatic oppositional approach, often say no before it says yes. But that can actually be a, a useful break on ministers in thinking again about their policies, focusing on the value for money and and also thinking about actually where is the money going to come from. People from the Treasury often say they are the only department who thinks about where is the money coming from the taxes and that can be a helpful thing for ministers to think about when they're designing policy and making decisions in their department. So what advice have former ministers given about how to deal with the Treasury? So ministers say make use of their expertise, actually. The the Treasury is a young department, can sometimes be a bit inexperienced, some of the civil servants, but also a very bright, knowledgeable department. And their focus on value for money can actually be very useful in holding your own civil servants to account in, in the department. So making use of the Treasury's knowledge can be helpful. But the other thing that really comes through is is the importance of speaking the Treasury language when you're trying to win them over coming well prepared with with facts and figures to support your case, talking about the economic benefits and the long-term benefits of, of what you're doing can also make it much more likely that you're going to get the support and the funding from the Treasury that you want as a, as a minister. As we just heard from Grant, the Treasury is a vital part of government, particularly for ministers who are trying to achieve their priorities with limited resources. But the Treasury's ability to influence the policy of other departments can also be a source of frustration. Estelle Morris, former Education Secretary, had first-hand experience of this when Gordon Brown was Chancellor. Gordon, who is, I think, an exceptionally talented uh, politician and a very, very good Chancellor, wanted to do something on teaching children how to manage money. Um, and that's, that's great, you know, fi- financial awareness, financial competency, manage your own budget. That's great. So he decided to fund a book that would go to every school or every child. I have no idea which, I can't remember. She didn't feel this was a particularly effective policy, to put it mildly. But I've not heard a bigger waste of time in both waste of time, waste of energy, waste of resources. You know, I had to put a year's salary on it having hardly any impact. And I don't care if it only cost a million pounds. 
I'd as soon put that million pound into some more breakfast clubs or after school clubs. And I, I knew it wouldn't work because that's not how children learn. And what was he doing bothering himself with commissioning a book to go to every school in the country? As well as getting involved in departmental policy, the Treasury is also sometimes accused of a short-term approach, prioritising savings and the state of the balance sheet now over long-term efficiency and economic growth. Justine Greening, who used to be a Treasury minister, certainly takes this view. There's one great unreformed department in government, and that's Treasury. And so I was progressively struck by how different Treasury ran. The public spending side is full of extremely talented people, but I had never seen spend managed in the way that Treasury managed it and effectively run as a cash flow, nothing more. So no no sense of P&L management, even in the medium term. So almost deficit reduction being from a, a cash flow perspective. And, and understandably, arguably, because politics is short term, you have an election, all of that. It might frustrate some ministers, but the Treasury plays an important role in keeping spending under control. But what about if you want to increase your departmental budget? Former Permanent Secretary Una O'Brien, who played a part in negotiating NHS budgets with the Treasury, has some tips for ministers. If a minister, him or herself, is, is having a meeting at the Treasury about money, it will be very important. So it will either be <laughs> something's gone horribly wrong or they'll be trying to get new money or move money around in a way that's quite controversial. So that's a high stakes meeting where you need to go in there really thoroughly prepared for what you want to do. Doing as much preparation as possible is crucial, including through less formal channels. Very rarely would a meeting like that happen without some officials from your department talking to the Treasury beforehand, you'd have some idea of what the room for manoeuvre might be. Equally, and this would very much depend on the politics of the government of the day and the relationships between ministers, there might be an opportunity for a Secretary of State to have a behind-the-scenes conversation with the Chancellor or his or her special advisor through those channels. Most importantly, get on top of your brief. Make sure you understand all the facts and figures and check whether there are any financial skeletons in your closet. I can't stress enough the importance of really knowing your brief and being on top of the numbers, including, you know, putting some very hard questions into the department to make sure that there aren't any awkwardnesses sitting behind the spreadsheets that you need to know about. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Next time, we'll be talking about the importance of Parliament and maintaining relationships with MPs and peers, even as a minister. If you're a new minister or have your eye on becoming one, we hope this special episode of Inside Briefing has given you a sense of how to get up to speed with your departmental budget and how to get the Treasury on site. You can listen to the rest of the series on our website, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to find out more, check out the IFG Academy pages on our website, which are full of resources for those in or interested in joining government. And read our Ministers Reflect interviews with almost 150 former government ministers. Thanks for listening.